Well, today we kick off a brand new series, brand new series called Life to the Fullest, A Disciple's Journey. And so when we talk about this series, we begin a new focus over the next several weeks. And uh, when we think about this journey, a life to the fullest, what does this mean? Because we look at our lives, and I think we look at, at what we see around us, and many of us would say our lives are full. Our lives are full. Would you say your life is full? Life is full. There's a lot going on. Life is full, and yet, ironically, it's unfulfilling at the same time for so many people. Or maybe in our own life, we, we, we want this fullness of life, but yet it leaves us hungering and thirsting for more. How can we find that fulfillment and not just continue to fill it up with the things that don't bring us life? So we wanna look at what does it mean to live a life to the fullest, as Jesus had promised, was the purpose and the reason that he came. And so we look at this life, and we're gonna look at the journey of a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Because the disciple of Jesus goes on this journey and is on this journey to discover this life to the fullest. If that's why Jesus came and he's the one that we follow, what does it mean to be a disciple? How do we get to that place? And I believe that's the longing and the desire for every one of us. And at the same time, we're also gonna be able to share in this series a discipleship path that we've been developing as a staff here at the church for us to see what is this journey, what are these steps, what are some things that we can do together as a church to go on this journey of a disciple and not just be one who commits our life to Christ but follows in that pathway and grows in that direction. So we're gonna do that together over these next several weeks and I, I'm really excited to share each of these messages as we move along. So when we think about this idea of life to the fullest and a full life, you know, COVID, which we thought we were getting past and now we're kind of experiencing again, but think about where we were about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, when everything shut down. Wasn't it amazing how our schedules all of a sudden were just like wide open? All of a sudden, everything that we thought we had to be at, everything we thought we had to do, even going to work or going to school, I mean, it was all just shut down. And while that was hard and that was disheartening and it was difficult to manage, didn't we all at some level just feel a sense of like relief? Would you acknowledge that? At least in the sense of the busyness of the schedule. This idea that life now is a little different. Now, again, others took on craziness at home with school and kids and, and some things shifted, but the fullness of the schedule was like wiped clean. And it's amazing as, as life has picked up again, as, as, as we've been engaging again in, in, in the, you know, work and in school and in business, how quickly that schedule fills up. How quickly the time goes again. And, and I know for, for us and our family, you know, summer has a certain rhythm and now it's into this back to school mode. If you've got kids at home or, you know, in college or wherever, you know this is the season where everything ramps back up again. And so beginning like, I think we've got a couple days left here and then beginning like next week, it's every night of the week for the next couple months. There's no free night. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think we have Friday nights. I think we have free. So if you guys want to get together, let us know. Friday night, we'll, we'll, we'll do something. And, and it, there's, a, there's, a, there's something nice about that. I mean, it's nice that we've got lots of things going on. It's things we love to do, whether it's the kids' sports or, or the church activities. We've got things going on here, and, and life is full, but you step back, and, you, and, and sometimes you just feel like you plop down at, in bed at night, and you're just exhausted, and you say, is this what life is to be about, just to keep packing it in, to keep doing those things? And it's not just, you know, those in the, in the midst of family life. I, I hear, you know, students that are in middle school and high school saying, well, life's so busy, life is full. College students are saying that, those in family life. I hear retirees saying, you know, I never thought I would be as busy as I was in retirement, right? There's always something going on, there's something to do. So we're all kind of living in that tension. And we say, okay, what do we what do, we do with this, this full life? It feels like in the morning, like the starter's gun goes off, right? It's like the alarm, that's like, you know, we just watch the Olympics, and it's like, boom, and you're off to the races. 
And the finish line is that pillow at night, right, where you can just plop down, put your head on the pillow, and it's like, I made it through another day. But do we just wanna keep making it through other days? Are we just hapless participants in a world that demands ever more of us? And we're on everyone else's time and on everyone else's schedule and everyone wants to know how to fill, everyone has an idea of how to fill your time, right? Your boss knows how to fill your time, your kids know how to fill your time. I mean, all the advertisements that we see, all the activities that we can do, the vacations we can go on, the experiences we can have, everyone wants a piece of your time. And so if we're just kind of passively going along, of course we're gonna start getting our life filled up, but are we filling it with the right things? So the problem, just to restate it very clearly, is we are full yet unfulfilled. Now again, that may not be every one of us, but if we look at life as a whole, how can we find more of that life to the fullest? What did Jesus mean when he said, I have come to give you life, life more abundantly, life in all of its fullness? Isn't that what we all long for? I think if we all surveyed, not just those of us gathered here, if we surveyed people who, who aren't followers of Christ, who are, who are searching for whatnot, it's I want a fullness of life. I want to experience joy and meaning and hope and peace and love, right? Those are the things we want filled in, but sometimes we look back at our life and we're lonely. We're seeking direction. We don't know what truth is. We're, we're, we're scrambling. We're confused. We're struggling. We don't know what the purpose and meaning is. And so we wanna look at that and say, Jesus, what did you mean? And so today, we're gonna actually start off with, which is the sort of the, the subtext of our series, Life to the Fullest, is a disciple's journey. Because really what we're talking about is this journey that we go on as a disciple, it doesn't come to us instantly, this life to the full. It's something that we continue to grow in and to grow as we, as we come to know Christ. And so what is that journey? And as we look at that journey, one of the things I wanna talk about, we'll introduce today and we'll get deeper over the next three weeks is what are the fundamental soul longings? Are there some fundamental soul longings that, that every human being has, that God created in us, that we have these longings and that there's only really one way that we can fulfill those longings in Christ? And yet we look for all the different avenues in which we can do that. What are those fundamental longings? Well, as we begin today, I wanna to look at John chapter 10 uh, and, and we'll look at this uh, the story that Jesus tells, this parable that he gives, and um, this is the context for the verse where Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. So let's begin with that. I'm gonna read it to you, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 10 or in your phones, be reading beginning at verse one. Jesus speaks. I assure you, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. For a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They don't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I assure you, I am the gate for the sheep, he said. All others who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Wherever they go, they will find green pastures. Then comes this verse. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So Jesus tells this story, this illustration, 
where he's trying to say, look, I, I'm the good shepherd. And, and there's, there's this contrast of the thief and the good shepherd. The good shepherd, there's the sheep that, that he goes out and he protects them and he takes care of them and he looks for, for green pasture for them. He's saying this is the field that will lead you to that, 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 that life that you long for, right? That's what a sheep wants, wants green pastures, plenty of room to, to graze. And he says, here's the gate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through the gate. I'm gonna call you by name and the sheep follow. And he said, that's how you know the sheep. But there's another, there's a challenge. If life was only that simple. But he talks about the reality that there is a thief. There is a robber. There's one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy that very life. And he doesn't just go through the gate. He has to jump over through other means. He has to jump over the gate and sneak in at night. And in that way is destroying life. And when I think about this idea of life to the fullest and where we're searching for it and how we're looking for it, Jesus wants to lead us to that life, but yet there are robbers, there are thieves, there are things that are trying to steal us and rob us of that very life that Jesus came to give us. And so we pursue that life, and at the same time, it feels like it's slipping away. We're not just free from those challenges. Even if we've given our life to Christ, we say, Jesus is the source of my life, we still find ourselves in these moments where, where life feels like it's getting robbed. And then we end up mistaking life to the full with just a packed and busy life instead of satisfying and fulfilling. I mean, how many times have we longed for those joys and we go, man, if I can just get away on vacation, if I can get away to that place and I can just recharge and renew, and you go away, maybe you get a week to go somewhere, maybe you're on the beach and you're relaxing and you're lounging, your feet are up, the waves are crashing, you've, you've ditched your, your media and technology, what happens, right? You start to recharge, you start to refuel, and it starts feeling pretty good, and you're going, okay, I think I've, this is the way it's supposed to be. And then what happens when you get home? It takes you about, what, one day? <laughs> one day, two days, and it feels like the vacation never happened. See, we, we can't find the fulfillment in things that are temporary, things that, that don't lead us into those deeper waters. Now, that's not to say vacation is bad and, and finding you know, great relationships. Those are glimpses that God gives us, joys that God gives us, but, but we're looking for those deeper waters. We're looking for that place that we can find only what we can find in Christ. So how do we find that life to the fullest? When Jesus said, if you listen to my voice, if you follow me, I'm gonna lead you to experience that life. Well, earlier he gave the clue in, in verse three in John chapter 10. He said, the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. So we have to learn, who are we listening to? Where are we dialing in? How do we pursue the, to find that life to the fullest? It's, we have to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Where is he leading? And he's calling us by name. He's calling each and every one of you and me by name. And to listen into that, to dial into that, and to start following him leads us in a new direction. That direction and that following is called discipleship. It's the calling to be a disciple. If we listen to the story of, of Jesus and when he came to earth and when he began his ministry, he called some people to follow him. We know them as the disciples, right? And if we think about the disciples, well, there's the 12 disciples and, and that's who Jesus called. But there were many more disciples. But these 12 were his core. These were the ones that followed him. And here's how he called them. In Matthew 4, we read about it. <clears throat> Excuse me, 4, 18 to 20. It says, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. What compelled them to follow? Did they know what they were getting into? 
I mean, sometimes we read this and we think, wow, they just all of a sudden left their nets and followed them. They left what they were doing and their livelihood and their daily lives. I mean, I can guarantee you their life was full. They got up very early as fishermen. They worked hard for their living. They did this day in and day out. But they had heard Jesus. They had seen him walking and talking and preaching and teaching around that area. And, 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 and he was referred to as a rabbi and as a teacher. And here he comes along the seashore. And what does he do? He calls them by name. And he tells them, come and follow me. What that was was an invitation to be a disciple. It wasn't just come and study under me. It wasn't come and, and read some ancient text, take some notes, and you'll be quizzed on it. It was come follow me. Follow me on an adventure. Follow me on a journey. What they understood to be a disciple. A disciple who walks in the feet of the master. Not just, again, just, just saying, okay, I adhere to, I, I know what you're teaching, but I'm gonna follow you. And we watched this journey of Peter. He said, yes, he left his nets, and he began to follow Jesus. What did he experience on that journey as a disciple? What was that like? Was it just going to synagogue once a week and, and, and hearing some teaching and then going back? No, he followed Jesus every step of the way. What did he hear? He was there on the Sermon on the Mount that we just finished the series with this summer. He was there hearing this incredible teaching of an upside-down kingdom where, where following Jesus and living in the kingdom of God looks different than what the world sees. And he's hearing these teachings, and he hears the authority that Jesus is teaching with. He senses the compassion when he sees how Jesus interacts with, with the outcast, with the lepers, with, with the sinners that no one is supposed to engage with. He's there, and he's, he's showing this compassion. He hears how Jesus condemns the religious leaders, the, the, the Pharisees, the ones who thought they were in, who had it all figured out, and he hears Jesus the way that he challenged them. And he's learning and he's growing, and as are all the other disciples. But he's, again, he's not just hearing the teaching. What is he seeing? What is he witnessing? What's going on around him? I mean, he's watching Jesus do miracles. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> to see Jesus turn water into wine, to, to walk on water, to, to heal in amazing ways. And he's just, he, he, he's experiencing this power that is there. But it's not just what he's seeing and the way he sees Jesus interacting, he's also experiencing it for himself. And as he's taking that in and it's beginning to transform him, it's changing him and, and he's seeing these things that are going on around him and he's, he's one of those disciples that asks the questions that doesn't understand. But Jesus explains it to him and, and he's growing. Peter's the one who jumped out of the boat, right, and, and wanted to walk on water. And for a brief moment, for a brief second, he experienced what it was like when you walk in the power of God and, and when you trust Jesus. And he sensed that. He also felt the depth of despair when he denied Jesus. When he was the one who, who said, Jesus, I, I don't even know the man. He, he understood this roller coaster of emotion from, from being in a place where he announced Jesus as the Messiah to the place where he denied Jesus. And then he was there and he witnessed the pain on the cross. He witnessed when, when Jesus was being nailed to a cross, when he was being whipped and beaten. He saw it, he felt it. And then you think about the despair, seeing him on that cross, his body going limp, being taken down, when he thought everything was over. And yet he was there on that Easter Sunday. He experienced the resurrection. He experienced the new life. He experienced the empty tomb. And it was, a, it was as though his whole world now opened up. And he was there on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and empowered and said, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that they were gonna be filled with the Spirit. And Peter was not only reinstated to, become the, to be the leader of the church, he then spoke with passion and authority and power to thousands of people on that first Pentecost, people coming to know Christ. He became the leader of the church, establishing the first community of believers, guiding them, teaching them, showing what that was like. 
And ultimately, you know how he died? It said that Peter died being crucified, but because he didn't want to be crucified and didn't feel like he was worthy to be crucified as his Lord, as Jesus, he asked to be crucified upside down. And you look at that and you say, all those other things are exciting. That's a life to the fullest, but in the end, to die by crucifixion, is that the journey we want to go on? And yet you read some of his, his letters that he writes in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and you see the passion with which he led. He talked about the joy that's there, the life that's to be found. He would give everything. He would give his life because he understood what it means to live life to the fullest. And that call that Jesus had on his life that said, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna call you, and I'm gonna teach you how to fish for people, that's exactly what happened in the life of Peter. It was the life and the journey of a disciple. Not just one who knew what to believe or had a few ideas, but one who laid his life down, who followed the master in every step of the way. And I wonder for us, as I think about this idea of discipleship, do we really understand what it means to be a disciple today? I think so many of us, we understand what it means to be a believer, but not a disciple. A convert, but not a disciple. A Christian, but not a disciple. We use those words interchangeably, and there's definitely connections in all of those and however you attach meaning, but the word discipleship carries a lot more weight did you know that in the New Testament that the word Christian is only used three times? Three times, but you know how many times the word disciple is used in the Bible? 269 times. There's something more than just being a Christian saying, check, box, I got it, I'm done, I'm in, I know Jesus, he, he forgave me my sins. That is a huge step, I don't mean to, to, to take that lightly. That's a huge step, to acknowledge Jesus as Savior. And we preach that and we teach that and that's where the, the, the life and the journey begins in following Christ, but it does not end there. The key is this, that a disciple understands Jesus not only as Savior, but Jesus as Lord. Again, we use those terms, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, right? That's just the phrase we've heard. But what does that really mean? Savior means he's rescued my life, he's forgiven me of my sins, he's put me on a new path. And now my life is forgiven and free, and now I'm free to enter through that gate and into those pastures that Jesus talked about. But now I have to follow. And that's when we talk about Jesus as Lord. When we talk about baptism here at Meadow Park, we talk about all in. Lord means he is, he is Lord over every area of my life. It's not just my beliefs that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I believe God created us, and I believe you know, those things. It's how is he Lord over my life? How is he Lord over my finances? Meaning, how I handle my finances is, is under God's lordship. How I handle my relationships. How I deal with people. How I deal with my physical interactions, with my sex life. How do I deal with that? That's under the lordship of Christ. How do I talk to other people? How do I treat other people? That's under the lordship of Christ. And so we have to continue to come and say, God, how can I be a disciple under you and follow that journey and surrender every area of my life. That's the journey of discipleship. And it's not a popular journey in this world because you know what it requires? It requires self-denial, right? It requires denying the things that we want and the way we wanna act, the way we wanna handle our money, the things that we wanna do with our relationships, the way we wanna talk to people, the way we wanna share our opinion, the, the, the way in which we approach it. To step back and say, okay, Lord, how would you have me speak and do and live? And so it feels like, why would I wanna do that? That doesn't sound like life to the fullest to have to follow and live in all these rules and these bounds, you know, so just be free, just do whatever you want. 
Go whichever direction you want. And Jesus says again, there's a, there's a, there's a key twist in this, that to experience life to the fullest. And, and he says it in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So as we're looking for life to the fullest, what are we holding on to? We're holding on to all these things that maybe just don't bring us the fulfillment that we're looking for. And Jesus is saying, learn to let go of that. Begin to follow this journey, and I will meet you in those places of your deepest longings. Eugene Peterson, who a uh, scholar, pastor, writer, author, wrote the translation, uh, translated the Bible into the message, a, a paraphrase of the scriptures. He wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction to Describe Discipleship. Isn't that an interesting terminology? A long obedience in the same direction. It's a journey. It's a process like Peter's through ups and downs, through challenges, through difficulties, but it's continuing to walk with Jesus. And then the, the call of the disciples, the great commission that we've all been called to, where, where, what is, how does it begin? Go and make what? Go and make disciples. He didn't say just go and make converts. He didn't just say go make people who we can check the box, I'm a Christian. Make disciples. How did Jesus make disciples? The disciples themselves were like, oh, I gotta make disciples. Well, this is how Jesus made us a disciple. This was the journey he called us on when he said, come and follow me. So how do I do that? How do I invite other people into that journey, into that process? That's disciples. We are on that journey. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus, one who has made Jesus not only Savior, but Lord over every area of your life? And how do you continue to walk that out each and every day? What I want to do here is, as I end, I want to take a shift and, and just look at what I said earlier, these three, belong, these three central longings that we have that in this journey of discipleship that, that will be met if we follow Christ and we, we allow him to give us life to the fullest. The three fundamental longings, and, and this is what we've been talking about as a church, what you're gonna continue to hear about, and the way that we see these three longings. And I wanna just look at these and introduce them to you this week, and we'll go further in what that looks like over the next few weeks. And it's the, it's the three fundamental longings, the longing to belong, the longing to believe, and the soul longing to become belonging, believing, and becoming. All three of these are so essential and they, 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 they capture a lot of pieces. Let me look at the soul longing to belong. There's some core questions when you think about this core longing to belong. Questions like, who truly loves me? Where do I fit in? Am I lovable? I mean, we all have this fear of being rejected, this fear of being alone, this fear of being isolated, and this longing to belong is hardwired into us to be in relationship, to connect. But how do we often do that? We try to look for it, of course, you know, in, in human relationships, which God designed for us to be in, but, but how are we finding that fulfillment? With kids in, in middle school and high school and elementary school, we know that the challenge is always, who's gonna be in my class, right? Will I know anybody? Who's gonna be in my lunch period? Do I know anybody? Who's gonna connect with me when I'm on the sport teams? We want to find that place where we find community and connection. And what we see so many times in our world and happens not only with kids and teenagers but with adults, we adapt ourselves. We, we, we maybe give up a part of ourselves to try to fit in with the group. Instead of going, okay God, who did you create me to be and what does community look like? So we ask, try to ask these questions. What is, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? You know, think about Peter, you know, he's out there as a fisherman, and what does Jesus do? He invites him to belong. Come and follow me. Come and be one of my disciples. I invite you into this community to be a part of, of the journey that I'm on. 
And God answers this question for belonging. He says, look, I love you, and I created you to experience rich community. And you know what name he gave that community? The church. This is God's design. And so we're gonna look at it beginning next week. What does it look like to belong? What does the church mean? What does it mean to be in relationship and community with one another, committed to one another, to see each other through the highs, to see each other through the lows, to be there in the good times, to be there in the bad times, to be there in the weeping and the mourning and the crying and the dancing? What does it look like to be a community of believers committed to one another on this journey? That's what we're gonna look at next week in this, this picture of of being, uh, meeting the soul longing for belonging. Next after that is the, the soul longing for believing. The soul longing of believing, these questions that we all ask, is there a God? <laughs> is this all there is? Is there an afterlife? What is truth? How do I deal with my pain and regret or, or disappointments or the sin in my life? How do I deal with these challenges? What is out there? Is it every man for himself? Where is truth? What is truth? These are fundamental believing questions that we can go through life looking for it in every place possible. You can research and study and, and pick a philosophy that you want. Some people look for it in science. Some people look for it in just more education. Some people look for it in psychology. Other people look for it in self-help books and the paranormal. And I'm sure maybe in these, these cards, if you flip through these cards and you pull the right card right at that moment, you know, it's, or maybe it's your horoscope or it's, it's everywhere. Because partly at the, at the core of this is understanding where do we fit in in the bigger picture, not only in relationship with others, but in all of creation and, and, and who God is. And so those are the questions that we have. And Jesus comes along and he says, look, I am the way, the truth, and life. He's the one who's gonna say, follow me, I'm gonna give you that truth. When Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus said, upon this rock I'm gonna build my church. When he said, this declaration, Peter came to a point not only of being belong, belonging and being invited into the community of Jesus and walking with him and following with him, his faith was growing and believing was taking place to the place where he understood Jesus as the Messiah. So Jesus comes along and, and he helps us understand that the answer to this core question of believing is that he came to forgive and to set us on a new path and to help us understand that we have an eternal life. Then the core question of becoming, the soul longing of becoming, this other part now, okay, we can believe, uh, we can belong and be in community, we can believe, but, but then there's something about the, the, what happens to us. How are we transformed? The core question of belonging, the soul longing is, what on earth am I here for? Why did God place me on this, or, or if there is a God or whatever, why am I even here? Why do I exist? Am I just a speck? Am I just a dust? Am, am I just here and gone? And is there any rhyme or reason? If we don't understand the core foundation of, of what we're here for and why God created us, What's my purpose? Questions like, am I needed? And without being able to answer those fundamental questions, we're gonna try to forever be driven up the ladder of success. It's not wrong to be successful, it's not wrong to be accomplished in what you do, that's a God-given blessing and gifts that you have, but when that becomes the goal, you realize no matter what level you attain, right, the meaning isn't there because it's not found in those things. No matter how many zeros you have at the end of your bank account, the meaning isn't there. And this chasing and pursuing until we come to a place of understanding, this is who God made me to be. This is his purpose, this is his plan. When I understand that, when I get involved in that, I begin to experience life to the fullest. So we look for those answers, we look for those places, and Peter found the same thing, right? Christ invited him to belong into this community of disciples. He grew in belief and understanding and put his faith and his trust in Christ as the Messiah. He was there at the resurrection 
and saw him as Lord and the becoming part of him was when Jesus reinstated him. When he forgave him, he said, now go feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. Go and be about the mission that I have called you on. Peter, I've set you apart for this purpose, for this reason. And he gave everything in his life until he gave his life. Without, without pause, without reservation, he was all in. And it transformed him. And we see that zeal and we see that passion in him. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to experience that life of purpose and that life of love. These hardwired longings, belonging, believing, and becoming. As a staff and as a church, as we've been using some of these, this terminology over the years, and as we think about that in terms of, all right, so how do we as a church accomplish those things? How do we help one another on that journey? How can we be in a place where we experience all three of those? And how can we be a church where we can say all three of those are true? Because if we're just the church where there's belonging, well, that's just a club. I mean, you can belong to all kinds of things, right? You can belong and, and, and have your, your love of dogs or love of plants. I don't know. You can belong somewhere. But belonging and believing, now that's a good step because we're grounded in Christ and we're connected as community. But if we're only belong and believe, you know what we become? An exclusive Christian club. Come in here and you belong. And if you believe the right things and say the right things and do the right things, then it's just us four and no more. And if you do the right things, we'll add a few more. But that's it. It dies. It stagnates. We also need the becoming peace as a community where the love flows out, where we live out that love, where love is put into action. And it gives us the purpose and the meaning. So how do we not only do that as a church, but how do we do that individually? My heart, my desire, our team's passionate desire is that every person here, every person that calls Meadow Park home would say, you know, I have a place where I belong. I have a community, a family, and a church where I belong, where I'm known, where I'm loved where every person would be on a journey of faith to be able to declare Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to be baptized and experience that forgiveness and that freedom, to know truth and to say, this is the grounding of my faith and I'm growing in that faith and I'm continuing to let God transform me. I'm spiritually alive. Can you say that? And are you on that journey? And ultimately that we also could say, you know what, I'm becoming. I'm becoming who God created me to be. I'm learning my gifts, I know who, who I am and, and I'm discovering that purpose. And I'm living that out. And so, as I'll share with you in the next several weeks, there's a path that we've created, the discipleship path, that addresses these very longings and, and helps us as a church take some of these steps, no matter where you're at, to grow deeper in belonging, to grow deeper in your faith and your believing and your understanding and, and what it means to follow Christ, from being a first-time new believer to a disciple who's been following Jesus for a long time, and then to live that out to be engaged in the community locally, to be engaged globally, and to be engaged in the way that we serve together here in this church. You know, yesterday we had a, a service here for, uh, for Jim Hazen, remembering his, uh, his life and honoring the man that he was and the life that he lived, and it's just so powerful. And, you know, nobody likes to go to a funeral. We, we would like to avoid death altogether. But when we have to slow down and we, we come together and we take those moments and we just celebrate someone's life. I wish and desire and long for my life and for every one of us. Make it easy on pastors to do your funeral. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I'm sitting here and going, okay, what, you know, when, when, uh, you know, when Kathy got up and she shared, which is not easy to do at your own husband's, you know, service, and said those things, I was like, if I go before Shannon, what's she gonna be able to say? Will she be able to say those things? 
when Denny got up and talked about a, yeah, from a friend and church perspective and the influence and the impact that that had, who will be able to say something like that about my life? Who will be able to say something about your life and the influence of introducing someone to Christ or, or challenging them to go deeper in God's word? You know, when we hear these stories of a coworker who came up and shared about the influence about, of how he led others in the workplace to know Christ, how he was relentless in, in sharing the gospel and just did it in such a winsome way that he wasn't afraid of what's the boss gonna say and what are others gonna do. It's living his life, sharing that love. That is a testimony. Somebody who understood what it meant to invite and create community and belonging within the church. Somebody who understood that faith is grounded in Christ after he came to his faith. And somebody who understood what becoming was like and inviting others to live that out each and every day. Make it easy. Sometimes I'm serious, we, you know, any of us of pastors who've done funerals, sometimes we have people come to us and we have to do their funeral and it's hard to find nice things to say. Not for us, because sometimes I don't know the person. Literally, I will sit with family or friends and it's like, tell me some more and there's a lot of silence. And you're kind of grasping at straws. We wanna live in such a way that somebody would say, man, they lived life to the fullest. As one person said about Jim yesterday, he may not have had as many years as we would have hoped, but boy, he sure packed it in <laughs> in the time that he was here. It wasn't just a full life of fluff and other things that didn't bring meaning. I'm sure there was some of that as well in all of us, but there was a richness there. And can we live in such a way to experience that life to the fullest? I just wanna close with this thought and the story of Jesus. He's going with his disciples, and he's going through a region where, uh, you know, they've been traveling, and the disciples go on ahead, and they, they go into town to get some food, and Jesus sits down at Jacob's well, this ancient well that has been drawing water for, for generations. And at this well, as he's sitting there in the mid midday sun and heat, this woman comes by, and she's a, the, a Samaritan woman. And Samaritans and Jews, Jesus was a Jew, they don't they really didn't have good relationships. They normally didn't talk to each other. They were kind of like opposites in, in that, but Jesus engages this conversation with her. She's obviously alone, and, and normally women would be drawing water early in the morning with other women. That was when they did it in the morning, and she's obviously outcast. She's there by herself, and Jesus begins this connection with her, this, this conversation, and he simply asks, can I have some water? Would you, would you draw me some water? And the woman is actually taken back by that. Jesus, why would you ask me to draw some water? I mean, I'm a Samaritan and, and you're a Jew and we don't have anything to do with each other. What would you ask? Why are you asking me? And Jesus kind of turns the conversation. He said, well, if you only knew who was, who was asking for water, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She's like, what do you, I mean, whoever heard that statement, if somebody said that to you, you'd be just as dumbfounded. What, what are you talking about, living water? And she actually takes a little bit of offense at that. Well, one, she's wondering, how would you even draw water? You don't have a bucket, and the well is really deep. And, and plus, how do you think, would you think that the water that you could draw out of Jacob's well is actually better water? You know, that, you know, that your water is better than this ancient water? And I think that this idea of longing for this life to the fullest is like us being like the Samaritan woman. We're going, we have all this water we're drawing. We're, we think we're getting fed. We think we're getting nourished. Do you think your water is better, Jesus? What do you have to offer? And I love the way Jesus responded to her. He says this in John 4, 13 to 14. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This fresh, bubbling spring. There's something within us that continues to renew us, that leads us to this life to the fullest, that, that is found in Christ when we drink of the water that he brings. 
How many wells do we keep going to that are leaving us dry and leaving us thirsty? He's saying it becomes this well within them and leads to eternal life. And I love the woman's response in John 4, 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She found a different source. She found a different way to fill and to fill up and to find that, that, that longing in her soul fulfilled. And we hear the story as it goes on. She understands and her eyes are open after Jesus invites her and welcomes her in this belonging sense of connection. She discovers that he is the Messiah and believes that he's the Messiah, that he's the one who can transform her, who knows her past. And then what does she do? There's already an instance of becoming. She runs and she goes and tells her family, you'll never guess who I met and what he told me about my life. You come, you gotta come and meet him. And we see in just this one little story, these three elements coming together of belonging, of believing, of becoming, and finding that living water that could only be found in Christ. So today we just wanna talk about the beginning journey of the disciple. What does this look like? How can we walk to experience life to the fullest in Christ? That's my heart and desire and passion for every one of us. That's why our mission statement here at the church is doing whatever it takes to help people experience life to the fullest in Christ. Because that's where it's found. Our hope is in him. If you don't know this hope, if you uh, maybe say, you know what, I don't even know that I'm a convert. I don't even know if I can name Jesus a savior. Maybe today, today is the day. I wanna take that step. Jesus, I give you my life. Ask you for the forgiveness of my sins. Lord, wash me clean. Let me drink of this water of life that is only in you. I believe you're the Lord and Savior. You begin that journey, you just pour that out in your heart, and you know what? God is faithful to honor that and to begin that relationship and say, let's go on this journey. Now let's be a disciple. And maybe this morning you're saying, you know, I kind of got stuck at being a convert. And I call myself a Christian and I believe in Jesus, but am I really surrendering my life fully to him? Maybe today is a commitment that you say, I, I need to take another step. I'm gonna lean in over the next several weeks. I wanna lean in. How can I grow in the sense of belonging and community? How can I grow in my believing? Maybe it's a step of becoming. I've kind of gotten stagnant. I need to let that flow out and I need to pursue what God has for me. I wanna be on that journey. We're gonna talk about that over the next several weeks. But let's grow in Christ. Let's respond to that voice of the shepherd calling us by name where he's saying, come and follow me and let's go on this journey together experiencing life to the fullest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for a space that we create each and every week to gather as your body, to humble ourselves before you, to take some time to get into your word and to see what it teaches us, to pour our hearts out in worship. Lord, transform us through these times together. Guide us on this journey, Lord. We long to experience life to the fullest, and it can only be found in you. Lord, help us to drink from the only well that will ever satisfy us, and not to look for it in places that will only leave us thirsting for more. Father, we commit ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.